and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. (laughs) It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. And 1280 The Zone. Yeah, count that, uh, Austin, into uh, jobs that sound awesome, but uh, reality, not so much. There's probably a bunch of those out the there. The cat I'm food guessing. taste test? No, 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 no. The other one. All right, we're going to talk to Bowler momentarily. We'll, ask, uh, we'll get his thoughts on what he's seeing out there and the two losses to Minnesota. We'll get Bowler's thoughts on, on a lot of stuff. He joins us uh, each and every Tuesday. Uh, we're going to talk to Mark Eaton coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Excited to talk to Mark. Um, we'll talk to him about his uh, relationship with Rudy Gobert and his thoughts on, of course, being a defensive center. He gave an interview to our friend Chris Mannix. Chris did some writing, included Mark uh, in a very nice story about their relationship. So we'll ask Mark about all of that coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowler-Jack. What's up, Bowler? Jake, how are you? You're flying the ship, right? Yeah, I'm trying to keep the train on the tracks while Gordon is, uh, you know, sipping a, a, a pina colada or something somewhere tropical. Virgin pina of colada. Course. Of yes, course. Yes, yes. Yeah. I wasn't sure. No, no. It's good, though. You're flying the ship because I think uh, you're going to land it just fine. Yeah. I, I hope Gordon, uh, I don't know who he's traveling with, if he's traveling with friends or whatever, but I hope there's a, a standard warning that uh, traveling with Gordon, it's every man or woman for yes, themselves. Yes, yeah. we should have uh, posted some bulletin, you and I, uh, about uh, traveling, uh, you know, really, all, you know, one man, you're all for yourself. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, if you close, if you blink an eye, Gordon's, Gordon's gone. Uh, what happened to Gordon? I don't know. But he's on a flight, and he's safely on his way back home. Meanwhile, your your poor yeah. wife is is ill and really fever, <laughs> and uh, trying to drag her around an airport and trying to get a flight home. Just but uh, that's okay, Gordo. You have fun up in first class. Now. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, hey, Bowler, uh, let me get your thoughts. We'll get into the jazz in a second. But Austin and I were just talking about this in the uh, in the last segment. Uh, ESPN announced uh, with the NBA, they announced that they're going to do a Marvel broadcast of a couple of NBA games to kind of appeal to uh, to kids. We saw the NFL do it with Nickelodeon. They did a Nickelodeon broadcast. What are yeah. what are your thoughts on that on that concept? Put on your kind of television programmer hat. What do you think uh, with what these leagues are trying to do? Well, I think what what we're looking at right now is a a, a fan base that is in that. 35 to 70 and above, right? They've been around a while. And I think what we've seen is, you know, um, you know, video games uh, taking away eyes from sporting events, whether live or via, you know, viewing television with mom and dad, uh, the interest waning. So I think it's probably in the long run, a semi-brilliant move to see what kind of, uh, impact it has with the younger audience, and if this is a way to rebuild or uh, bring along a fan base and introduce them, I think is the best way, Jake, into the NBA. And you know, did it work uh, for for you know the NFL? Um, 
you know, it's just kind of a wait and see, but it's it's kind of a, no pun intended, a Marvel idea. And I think we're all in that outside-the-box routine now to grow your audience and to expand it, whether it's via your phone, streaming, which is something the Jazz are focused on as well, as you know. And, you know, it's it, you have to go outside the box uh, nowadays. It isn't what it used to be with just the old days was forced – you know, four television stations, you had the three networks and, you know, an UHF, you know, that you got some old reruns and some movies, but now you're in competition even more so. And I think that's really the way they're trying to approach it. I don't see, you know, everyone walk, you know, sitting around in a marble costume calling games, but the theme of it, I think, is the way that they're trying to look at it. Maybe it, maybe it does bring a new eye. Uh, a new set of eyes uh, to to the broadcast. Yeah, I think it's really forward thinking, and if you can, you know, get some young fans who grow up to be, you know, middle aged and older NBA fans. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. how you grow. That's how you grow the brand. I think it's it's super smart. I'm it with starts you. young, right? I mean, yeah. I think we all know that it does. Your interest with jerseys and fans and getting to a game and wearing a ball cap and saying, "Hey, that's my team." But how do you get them to that point? And this, I think, is really outside that box thinking, which I think we're going to see more of. You know, i got to give Austin credit for coming up with the idea for this question, but what Marvel character would Matt Harpering be? <laughs> oh, what's an evil character? I, <laughs> I don't know. Hellboy? Hellboy? <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Uh, All right. Uh, Bowler is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's let's jump into the Jazz. Bowler, a lot to talk about from the last couple of games, certainly. But I want to start off with Rudy. And I, I did. I felt bad for Rudy last night because he made he made a big mistake. You know, it you know, you could say it lost the team the game because it it kinda did. He took total ownership in the postgame, which I, I really respect. But it it reminded me just how truly consistently great Rudy is because, you know, when he makes a mistake it it stands out because it doesn't happen very much. No, no, it doesn't. Uh you know, I I've watched that replay multiple times last night, stayed at the arena. A little extra, uh, longer, nobody there except uh, Matt and I and uh, Booner and uh, David Locke on the radio side and Kristen Kenny. So, I mean, it was kind of a lonely uh, a lonely place. But, you know, you look at it in slow motion at every angle you can see. And, you know, they almost got – it was about a four count, Jake. I mean, if you come along with me, I mean, Ricky played it if it was drawn up like what Finch, I think, wanted it to do. I mean, it was great. But also, it was just enough time, lag time, in that last second before they got to about four seconds. And Ricky was looking to Towns, looked back inside. And then if you also see Towns kind of grabbing uh, Conley to kind of bring him along with him, which I think drew Rudy out even more, thinking, thinking you know, it was going to Towns. He was going to double him, double him and put a hand in his face. But then the cut... And Russell was just as wide open, the easiest bucket he had all year long, in my opinion. So, yeah, um, you know, Rudy was up front. I like an athlete who can say, look, it's on me. We don't have to really discuss it much further. Uh, you know, I should have known better. I've done this a thousand times and plus one. And once in a while you get you get bit. And he got it last night. And then the other part of that, too, is the, the inability for the Jazz to get a shot off. Uh, with pretty what was it 6.2 seconds? I'd yeah. have to go back and look, but it was it wasn't panic time. 
I think I even said, look, you got a chance to make a pass and even a dribble if you do it with calm and, and clarity and precision. But, you know, it just never worked out. I don't think Rick, excuse me, Conley had much room to work. I think he was trying to work around a screen by Rudy. And then Rubio, who jumped past him, then recovered very well, by the way, and got in his hand just just in the nick of time to punch the ball out, and the Jazz have no chance. So, But you know what, Jake? The question is, should they have ever been in that position? Uh, and again, for two straight games, you blow leads of uh, 17 and 18 points. And that one, I think, is the most difficult to understand, how you can play so well, and then it just goes away, and it goes fast. And that's the thing I think they have to figure out. The three-point shot just died on the vine, right? And they put up a franchise record 57 last night, a non-overtime game. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can look at all sorts of different things, why, why they've lost three games to the Timberwolves this year. But I'll be honest with you, on paper, there's some talent there. They've got some a really good sense of where they're going now and how they're building this team with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are three really solid players. And the guy named Nas Reed stuns me in both games. He's an undrafted guy who just ate up the G League last year. But you know what? You find gyms like that who come out and are hungry and want to prove they belong. And I think we saw a lot of that in the last two games with Minnesota. Uh, You know, Jake, I don't know where you stand. I don't know if the pressure of the moment of being the number one team in the league and coming into crunch time, we're there, by the way. We're there. And also the loss of Donovan, I think, really showed in these last two games an athlete who can draw attention and take a take a couple of defenders into the paint, and all of a sudden the spacing is there and the open shot. I felt panic at times last night by the three-point shooters, and I also felt like some of them gave up good looks. But if you really break it down, they missed open looks last night. Um, they hit them in the first quarter, and they could not hit another very few, by the way, quarters two three and four yeah I think you're I think you're spot on with uh, your your thought about Donovan Mitchell last night was an excellent example because you know I don't know if Minnesota is playing different defense against other teams but against the Jazz they are physical up in your face guards that make you know life really difficult they're big they're athletic and against Minnesota in both games I thought Bowler the Jazz needed a player who was going to go out there and beat his guy and mm-hmm. Mike and Mike Conley can do that some, but they really depend on Donovan Mitchell for that. And I thought that I thought this those two games are really a reminder of just how good he is and what role that he plays on the team. Where when you need a bucket, you need to beat the other guy in front of you. He's the guy to do it. Yeah, you know the, another good uh, assessment. I, I just Jake, I've heard you and Tim talk about this all year, and and. I'm feeling the same way. I think teams now scout the Jazz, and on that paper is get physical. Yeah. Uh, And when you are, if 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 the Jazz don't push back and show, you know, a little bit of an edge, and and make that statement early, then you start. You can see them start to just lose the confidence. And when I see them not take shots like Joe last night on a couple of occasions and Clarkson now beginning to hedge a bit again uh, and bogey, uh, you know, Conley was solid and Niang helped the jazz even get back in the game and Mike's big three. I thought, okay, there you go. You're going to learn a lesson. You got beat once, but not twice. But then again, it's amazing how a couple of plays down the stretch 
can dictate a win or a loss. But then you ask the question, as I said before, Jake, should you have been in that position in the first place? Um, I just don't think the Jazz punched back, you know, with the physicality and the defense. I was impressed with the way they got in their jock. Basically, they were riding hips and pushing them out. Once that first quarter ended, they went out and just became a much more physical defensive team. And they're not very good, mind you. All right. I think they ranked 28th going into that game on the defensive end. But for some reason, the Jazz have got to realize from this point on that everyone comes out with their A game. And there's teams also still playing for contracts, and they're also playing for the future. And you cannot, not after a, a blistering first quarter in both games, say, ah, it's over. No, it's not. Not in this league. And I think those are the lessons I've learned. I think fans see it, and obviously the Jazz have got to realize that more and more. Like Sacramento tomorrow night. Look, De- uh, De'Aaron Fox is out with health and safety protocol, but they've still got Buddy Heald. Uh, they've got Harrison Barnes. Uh, they've got a kid named DeLon Wright and also a rookie named Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton. That won't be an easy game in Sacramento, so you better prepare for it because Phoenix isn't going to let up at all on Friday night. And then you come home for five, but you know this week could decide, really, if you're going to stay at one or you're going to drop to two or even three. Because that's how tight it is. How important is the number one seed for this team, Bowler? Well, you know, I tell you, we've had, we've talked a lot about it, Jake, and uh, you know, I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers care per se. I don't think really uh, Philly, maybe even you know the Nets care. The Jazz, I think, do because I tell you, home court for them is big, and they're a team that still is making that progress, but don't have a lot of postseason experience, and so the seventh man or excuse me, the seventh game with a sixth man is, I think, is, looms large for this franchise this year. Um, could be wrong, but I think I know what Jazz Nation is and how excited they are. And You know, how many more fans can you put in the stands? I don't know. Uh, will they up the ante some uh, if things continue to get, you know, improve with the with the COVID and the vaccine? Maybe. Uh, and I think it only plays into the Jazz hands even more if you have eight to 10,000 fans in the stands. I don't know what that number is, or maybe it stays where it is at the moment, but I think it's helped. I think the energy in the building, look, I'm broadcasting in empty arenas when they're on the road, and you know I miss being there because I, I can sense the energy and how it helps a home team, and it's the same for the Jazz. I sense it. When it was empty and we were playing at home, there wasn't much there. But with fans back, there is a boost. You know, it didn't help much against Minnesota Saturday night. But from the, for the most part, the Jazz own the best home record in the league for a reason. And I think it's because they've had fans there. Um, and I think it will help the Jazz in the long run if they would, by chance, play for a Western Conference championship and have that fan base in the house if they needed for a, uh, for a deciding seventh game. Uh, other teams are more playoff savvy than the Jazz, and I, I don't think they worry. I don't think the team itself worries as much. I don't think LeBron, you know, even though he likes to have his fans around, I don't think that that's the deciding factor for him and Anthony Davis and Kyrie and KD and those guys. But I think for the Jazz, it is. So, Bowler, I'm I'm very torn on the concept of this play-in situation for the NBA playoffs. And I apologize if we've asked you about this before, but uh, we saw reports today that it is uh, going to be here to stay, and they've yeah. liked the effects that it's had uh, having more teams uh, with you know something to play for. But right. what, are your, what are your thoughts, Bowler, on uh, the possibility of, or I guess on the play-in tournament and uh, the possibility of it sticking around? 
Well, there's some there's some good points and bad. I think if you're the number one seed, it may be like for the Jazz. Uh, okay, um, are we really going to have to wait until um, you know Thursday night? 24 hours? I mean, do you play on a Sunday? I don't know. That's going to be another interesting. If the Jazz win the number one seed, are they going to, you know, look, Jazz fans, it's, it may be a Sunday game, man. It may just be that way. New ownership, I don't think is going to shy away from that. I'm not sure. But I think the league obviously will work with Utah. But, hey, if you're the number one seed and you're working with networks, that's a whole other discussion, right? But getting back to your point, the one versus the eight, who's it going to be? Quinn's talked about it with advanced scouting that they're already looking ahead to potentially the four teams they play right in, in round one. That's a lot of manpower and a lot of, a lot of work to go into not really knowing until the, until a Friday or a Friday morning on who you're going to play on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, the other teams, of course, uh, you know, middle of the pack already know four or five, how that's going to work. But I think the one positive Jake, honestly, when fans, are upset about teams tanking and resting players. They're going to have to be really teams are going to have to be honest down the stretch. And that's the one thing I think the league is intrigued about is to continue to keep the interest high enough that those games have something to count for and jockeying for, you know, the, the spots, uh, you know, seven, eight. And if you're a nine or a 10, you're still alive with a shot. And I think that's what the league kind of was hoping for to find. They experimented with it in the bubble, and it seems like it caught some people's attention. And probably for the players, there's not much love for it. But also, it does give, like last year, remember, uh, Damian Lillard said, look, man, why should I even play? You know, if I can't have a chance to be in the postseason. And he got his wish, and the Blazers got there. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's a couple extra games revenue, let's be honest, right? Um, it kind of brings a little bit more attention to the postseason with those playing games, and then all of a sudden you've set the table for the the, the top eight. Uh, I think it's going to be a mixed emotions with players, but I think overall financially, it's a game, and that's what it's all about. It's a business, and uh, it may keep fans' interest in those three to four teams that are still outside looking in. But what if you're a seven or eight who's worked all year yeah. long, right, and then then you get knocked out? Um, that's going to be tough to take, too, after you've worked all six months to get to that seven spot, but you still have to prove yourself to play in. Uh, that may upset a few people, and I can understand why. So here's why here's why I'm really torn on a bowler, because I do think too many NBA teams make the playoffs. I think it's oversaturated already, and yeah, yeah, uh, good point. A, a solution as, oh, well, let's put a couple more teams in there. I, I just don't know if I'm coming along with that, but... On the other side, the end of the NBA season has become so wonky with teams not trying and who's playing and positioning that you just don't get uh, games with a lot of integrity. So if if you can fix the end of the regular season, I see some value there, but you're also contributing to an issue of too many teams make the playoffs, in my opinion. So I'm truly torn over it. No, I get it. You know, it's like uh, in, in our world today that everyone wins the medal. Right. When I was a kid, first, second and third, that was it. You may get participation certificate, but, you know, not everybody wins the medal. Somebody has to understand that, you know, there's winners and losers and you have to understand that, swallow that and work harder the next time around. That's really another argument. Right. right. In the world of um, grade schools, junior highs and high schools. Look, I'm all for 
you know, supporting kids and their efforts. But again, you do have to finally classify a winner and a loser, and you have to accept that. And that's the real life when it comes to professional sports and really in the amateur world as well. Um, but, you know, Jake, uh, you know, you could say once you line them up one through <laughs> one through what, 30 and play one and 30 and then have one incredibly long season of postseason play or one and out type of, of tournament. I don't know. I, I like what it's been. Um, I'm intrigued to see how this is really accepted outside of the bubble, and we're going to find out real soon. Uh, you know, there's if the Jazz were number eight, I think we maybe would look at it different because those games would be so important to try to jump out of the eight spot into a six where you wouldn't have to do a play in. But if you're number nine in the Jazz, then I think we go, oh, hey, 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 we still got a shot, right? But it goes back to your point not everyone deserves to be there, right? Right. And that's, that's I think, where the real argument is. It's like I just said, does the fifth or the sixth-place guy deserve a medal, or do the top three? And that's where I think the debate will continue, to be honest. It's an intriguing concept. I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but uh, we'll find out a lot more how, how people respond to it uh, over the next few weeks. And also, do those nine, ten teams, you know, they say, well, they've got a shot. Do they really? Or are they just playing a couple extra games only to be fodder for the, you know, the number one seed, right? Well, maybe they're taking a page, Jake, out of March Madness, where once in a blue moon, Cinderella actually wears the slipper, right? Yep. And I remember at CBS, that's what we talked about all the time. They were always hoping for that one or two teams that would capture the imagination of the country in college basketball. And, you know, I call some great games, Bucknell with an upset uh, over Iowa State, you know, a two-seed getting beat by a 15. And for the moment, they're Cinderella. Uh, but then they really, you know, come back down to earth. And I think even a play-in team may find that as well. Um, it's hard to be the one seed, uh, obviously. Um, but it's still intriguing that the opportunity may exist and it's something to talk about. But also I think in the long run, Jacob puts extra, extra eyes on television and brings some more people back to the game that may have lost interest because their team wasn't in and now they are. And that's what the NBA wants. They want numbers, they want viewers and they want airtime and TNT and ESPN and ABC are able to give it to them. So Buller, if I had to pick a Marvel character to be Austin, I think I would go with the not Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy, but the other big guy. What the? What's that character's name? The, the Drax. Um, Drax looks like Hans Olsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd go Drax for Austin. I think who Drax would be um, good for Hans too. You know, is a Marv is um, the guy the Doctor Bannon guy um, who Doctor Strange? Oh, no, you mean the Hulk? The, the Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, he's I, Marvel. I see, yeah. I see Austin as that calm and cool at times. You won't like me when I'm angry. Yeah. But when when he gets frustrated, especially with Gordon, I could see him ripping through his shirt back in <laughs> behind the glass. Oh, I could see that. See, that's I, probably I, happened. I when I asked Jake to ask you who Matt Harper would be, that's who I thought for Harper. Hellboy. Uh, oh, there in front of the oh, camera, his hair's yeah. perfectly quaffed, and he's <laughs> he's all choir boy. But then on the court, we knew what he was about. You know, he's in town, man. We should call him right now and see who he thinks he is. You know, maybe he is uh, the Hulk, the Hulkster. Uh, you know, calm and cool on the outside, but uh, fire burns in, down deep. Uh, 
But yeah, those are kind of fun if you put names uh, to characters. You know, there's always somebody you go, what? Uh, then you think, no, nah, maybe that's a pretty good call. So, Well, the answer with Austin, and I know it's not Marvel or really anything close, but it's Mr. Clean. Not only do they, they rock the you know the bald look quite well, but a uh, few people actually know Austin likes things tidy. He's a he's a, Austin's house is not messy. It's true. Put it that way. It's true. It's, Austin, do you uh, do you have like wipes and are you disinfecting at twenty four out twenty four seven? Bowler, I was protecting against COVID before it was cool. That was uh, I, cool. I was I was carrying Lysol wipes Lysol wipes everywhere with me when I was like yeah. eight. So. You know what? I'll, I'll let you in on a quick secret. I do carry a small mini can of Lysol, and I think I learned this trick years ago. It keeps you, you know, the you never know when you're on the road. Now, look, I have my own headset now, my own headphones, so that's a good thing. And so you know where the microphone's been, but you don't know who's been touching your stuff when you go on the road to Toronto or Chicago or Cleveland because you know there's been a, an audio, as they call them in the business, an A2 out there testing your mic to make sure it works. But did he have a bad night the yeah. night before? Or, or worse, you're working yeah. a remote here on the zone and you do know who used that headset before him. <laughs> Plus, if you carry around some Lysol, you get mugged or something, they get a face full of Lysol, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, too. It's, it's almost, sterile. You know, yeah. yeah, it's sterile. Say, look, pal, I'm sorry. It may sting a bit, but you're going to be clean later. <laughs> but I do. I spray down the, the, the headset, you know, the ears and, and, the, and the, the, as we call it, the wind flag, you know. Know, but you don't know who's been chewing tobacco the night before or, like I said, who had a rough night. And so, <laughs> you know, you play it safe, man, because on the road especially, you just got to stay healthy through 82 games. This year it's 72, but it's hard to stay healthy when you fly and you don't know uh, who's been touching what. And I guess I just picked that up, and I'm, I'm glad I do. And I, if I run out, I panic. So I always try to have two little mini cans, and you tell TSA what they are. And they say, oh, okay, well, it's only two ounces. We'll, we'll let it through. Okay, thank you. Booner used to carry like a 12-ounce can. And they, they won't, you know, of course, they, they take that away from him now. So he, we got turned on to the mini stuff, the little mini bottles. They don't last long, but at least you can travel with them. Because Boone sprays everything, by the way, guys. Okay. Boner sprays everything. Yeah, it makes a difference these days. You, by the way, Bowler, you had the line of the show today. Like, hey, buddy, that may sting a little bit, but you're going to be clean later. <laughs> That's my favorite line of the show so far. <laughs> Thank you, Bowler. Yeah. Hey, guys, be good. Hey, uh, tell the big man, uh, Mark Eaton, and tell him where he got his broadcast start. Ask him where he got his broadcast start. All right. All right. Yeah. We, we'll yeah. do just that. Thanks, All Bowler. Right, All See right, you, guys. Buddy. There you go. The great Craig Bowlerjack, television voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us each and every Tuesday. We always look forward to it. Bowler's the best. All right, we'll have more for you coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.